Hello, everybody, and welcome to Breakfast in a Class. We continue this week with the Perasha, double Perasha, Vayakel Pikudeh. At the end of the Perasha, we see that the Mishkan is assembled, the vessels have been, uh, have been uh, put together, and the Shekhinah is resting among the Jewish people. We see also the, the idea of the Shekhinah resting among the Jewish people. We mentioned that we call this the Ohel Moed, and the, the, the same way even Moshe's tent is like the Ohel Moed. The Ohel Moed is in the center of the camp, and Moshe's tent was outside. And uh, the Shekhinah rested there also. We mentioned we see also that uh, the Shekhinah rests on the tent when Rivka comes after she's brought by Eliezer and she comes to the tent of Sarah who passed away and the, the Shekhinah in a way returns to the tent with her. We also see from the Kiruvim that we mentioned that when two people come together just like the Kiruvim are sitting on top of the Aron and inside the Aron are the Luchot, is the Torah we have when two people come together and learn Torah opposite one another, the Shekhinah comes to rest between them. And when we bring the Shekhinah, we bring Beracha. We bring Beracha. Beracha comes through our learning. Beracha comes through our Tefilot. Beracha comes when we are in ways when we are unified. So when I was in Florida, I saw something that I found very interesting. I noticed there were many old people pushing baby carriages. And I wondered, uh, old people who had children later in life or grandparents pushing their children, but when you look around the circle uh, in Aventura where the people go walking, you see a lot of people pushing baby carriages and they're definitely older people. And then when I came down and I was walking outside, I noticed they're pushing baby carriages, but they're not babies in the carriages. The carriages have dogs. So many people pushing their little dogs in the carriage. They take their dog for a walk, but the dog doesn't walk. The dog sits in the carriage while the people walk. It's incredible, this generation. So we were thinking, you know, look at, look at the idea of the dog, and the dog is mentioned in Pashat Mishpatim. We see that when we have uh, meat that was, uh, that was uh, animal attacked by another animal, and the animal is killed, the Torah commands us, it tells us we should take that meat and throw it to the dog. And the rabbis tell us that we're throwing it to the dog because it's a reward for the dog. Because the dog was quiet when we left Egypt. The dog didn't bark when we left Egypt. And as a reward for the dog being quiet when we left Egypt, we have this commandment to give the dog this extra meat. It's interesting, we call the dog on the one hand called Lev. On the other hand, we're very nervous from having bad dogs. So we shared two stories this morning, and my friend uh, Robert suggested I reverse the stories. So we're re-editing this class to reverse the stories. The first story revolves a certain man from B'nai Brak. He wanted to marry off his daughter, and he, ha- he was having problems raising the money. And someone suggested that he go to America, and in America, he would be able to collect the money, and God willing, he would be successful, and he would be able to make the wedding. So he went to his rabbi, 
Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, who was one of the Gedulei Ador, and he told the rabbi, this was his plan. And the rabbi said, okay, you could go to America, but there's two rules. You learn every day for a number of hours in the morning. You need to continue to learn. You can't stop your learning. And the second is that you must be very appreciative and thankful to each person, each to whoever gives you money. You have to be thankful. You have to be appreciative to each of them, no matter what they give you. And so the man said, fine. He comes to America. He comes to Zebara Park. He starts to collect. He goes to one synagogue, guy gives him a dollar, another guy gives him a dollar, another guy gives him a dollar. And to each of them, he's very thankful, very appreciative, and he blesses them. He goes to the next synagogue, and he's collecting dollars and dollars, a five here, a, a 50 cents there, a dollar here, a dollar there. And again, he spends the, the whole day going synagogue to synagogue, the second day, the third day, and he... Uh, on the one hand, he's a little bit disappointed because he hasn't raised that much money. But he's trying to make sure he continues his studies in the morning. And he is collecting when he can collect. And he's very appreciative to anyone who gives. And then someone suggests, you know, maybe you should go to a wealthier community. There's a wealthier neighborhood. If you go to this neighborhood out in the island, then you go to this neighborhood and the people are definitely more wealthy. They're more inclined to give you more and uh, you should be a little more successful there. So following the suggestion, he arranges a, a car service to bring him out to this neighborhood. He sees these big, beautiful homes, and he says he's going to try. He goes to the first home. He knocks on the door. There's uh, an Israeli man. He lives there. He invites him in, tells him to come sit in the dining room, brings him a glass of water, and the man tells him his story. He's there to collect money so that his daughter can get married. And he's hoping that uh, he'll be successful. All of a sudden, he hears a dog barking. He gets a little nervous from the dog. The man says, don't worry. This is my dog. It's a very good dog. You're going to like my dog. He calls the dog. The dog comes into the room. He sees how the whatever the man tells the dog to do, the dog does. Finally, the man reaches into his wallet. He takes out a $10 bill. And what does he do? He hands it to the dog. And he tells the dog to bring it to the rabbi. And so the dog brings it to the rabbi and hands him the $10 bill. The rabbi was hoping he might get 50 or 100 or more, but uh, okay. What did the rabbi tell him to do? What did Rabbi Steinman tell him to do when he was back home? He says, you have to be very appreciative. So he says to the man, this dog is a very nice dog. What a wonderful dog. What a special dog. He says, and you know, I realized something because I learned something in the Gemara this morning. And I was a little confused. And the Gemara tells us that we should never have a bad dog in our house. And I was wondering, why bad dog? What's the specifics about the dog? And I see that the Gemara is talking about a bad dog. And there are good dogs. And this dog, this is a good dog. This is a special dog. And the man said, you really think so? He says, yeah, I think so. He goes, do me a favor. He goes, yeah, what would you like? Go across the street to my neighbor and please tell the man in that house across the street what you just told me about the dog being a good dog. He goes, okay, I'll go. He goes across the street, knocks on the door. An older man comes and answers the door. 
And he says, you know, I'm here from, from, from B'nai Brak, I'm collecting money from my daughter. And I was just across the street, and uh, I, I met this man, and he has this wonderful dog. And I told him that I realized something from the Gemara, that there's bad dogs and there's good dogs. And he has a good dog. And the dog does so many nice things. And the man said, you really think it's a good dog? He goes, yeah, I think it's a good dog. He goes, do me a favor. Go bring my neighbor, the one who told you to come to me, bring him to my house. Go, go back across the street, tell him to come. Yeah, what did he get himself into? He doesn't know. He goes back across the street. He says, the older man wants you to come across. He goes, really? He goes, yeah. Comes across. They walk together. And all of a sudden, he sees the younger man and the older man. They embrace, give each other a big hug. And now he really has no idea what's going on. And the older man invites him inside, tells him to please sit down. And he tells him, in fact, the younger man is his son-in-law. And the younger man says, I came from Israel. I grew up in Tel Aviv. I always had a dog. I came to America. I got married. I wanted to have a dog. But my father-in-law, not so happy with dogs. So since I got the dog, I don't go to his house. He doesn't come to my house. But now that you told him it's a good dog, he's okay with the dog. He'll come to my house. I'll go to his house. We really have to thank you. And the older man sat down. He said, I'm going to write a check for you to help you for the wedding. And he writes him a check for $18,000. And the younger man says, what a great idea. He takes out his checkbook. He writes a check for 18000 as well. They hand him the two checks for $36,000, more than enough that he needs to make the wedding. He's so happy, so excited. He goes back to the car service, tells him, take him back to the airport. Yalla, I'm going home. He comes back home, goes back to the Kolel, finds the Rosh Yeshiva, finds the Rav Schneiderman, tells him what happened. And the rabbi tells him, why? He asks him a question. Why do you think he was Zohar? That Hashem should bless you that you were able to get the money from these two men on that trip. And he says, Rabbi, you told me to have hakarat tov. I had hakarat tov to everybody. I thanked everybody, whether they gave me 50 cents, whether they gave me a dollar, whether they gave me two dollars, or whether they gave me a quarter. I even thanked the dog. He says, no, that wasn't it. He says, the reason why you were blessed was because every morning you sat down to learn Torah. And because you sat down to learn Torah, you brought the Shekhinah with you when you went to learn Torah. So I want to share, there was one more story I heard. I heard an amazing story about a dog. And I guess we'll share it with you because, uh, because uh, it's another, another dog story. So we're going we're gonna to share the story. So I heard this, I got this from uh, Rebetzin Aliza Siegel in town. She sent it to me, and I thought it was wonderful. And the story was originally told by Rabbi Ron Yitzhak Eisenman, who's the Rav of Congregation Avat Yisrael in Passaic, New Jersey. And he talks about a congregant, let's call the congregant Bernie. Bernie was uh, married for many years to his wife, and his wife passed away. They had no children, so Bernie and he was having a little trouble getting around so it suggested that Bernie get a service dog. So he got the service dog. The service dog's name was Oakley. And this dog moved in with Bernie. He helped him get around his apartment. He helped him when he went out to go grocery shopping. He helped to guide him a little. And he kept Bernie company. And Bernie became very close 
to this dog. What happened was, Bernie decided, you know, I need to have a little help. I need to move into a place with some level of assisted living. So he decided he's going to sell his house in Passaic, puts up his house for sale, sells the house, and he gets something down in Florida in a in an assisted living place, which is kosher, where they have uh, daily minyan, daily Torah lessons, and and he's he's very happy that he's made this move. And after everything is done and settled, he notices in the rules of the place that he's moving into, they don't allow dogs. Not only don't they allow dogs, they don't allow any animals at all. And now he becomes very upset, very depressed. No service animals, no animals at all are allowed to the place. So he calls his rabbi and he tells the rabbi, please, rabbi, can you do me a favor? Maybe, Rabbi Eisenman, maybe you could reach out to the, the people, the, the manager of the, of the place, and explain the situation to him. Maybe they'll make an exception to the rule. Maybe they'll allow me to bring my dog. And so Rabbi Eisenman says, let's try. So he gets the phone number, calls the manager of the, of the complex, very nice man, attentive, listens to him, hears him through, he explains the whole situation, and the man says, Rabbi, I understand completely, but I feel terrible. The rule here is that we have no animals, no dogs, no cats, no anything. We have no animals, and we can't have animals under any, any situation. So he tells Bernie, and Bernie says, no, we have to try something. So the rabbi says, you know what? Let me try to call the rabbi of the facility. Maybe the rabbi will have some say. And so he calls the rabbi who's running everything, the kashrut, the minyanim, the classes, and he says to the rabbi, who tells him the whole story about Bernie and how his wife Ethel passed away, and they were married for 56 years, and six years ago, he got this dog Oakley, who's become his constant survive, his constant companion, and he wouldn't have survived COVID without him. And really, he needs him to get around, and he has all this loneliness. And this this pet is really there for him. So, the rabbi says, "I, I really appreciate everything you're telling me, but but I'm so sorry. The rule is no pets, and I I don't think I can do. But I'll try." The rabbi calls back, says, "No, there's nothing I can do." Maybe speak to the manager one more time. Maybe see if there's some way he can figure it out. So the rabbi again calls the manager, and the rabbi says, listen, there's really nothing I can do. And Bernie is thinking about abandoning Oakley or abandoning the place he's moving to, and he has to get out of his own house because he sold it. So the manager of the, of the place tells the rabbi, you know, these are the rules, and if you want, maybe you could call Mr. Hertzler. He's the owner of the facility, and only he can give permission. But the manager explains he's an elderly Hasidic Yid, and I doubt he's going to be interested at all in allowing a dog into his facility. And as Hashem orchestrates everything, it turns out that Mr. Herzler, who rarely left Florida, would be in New York for a family simcha. 
And so the rabbi said, I was able to arrange a face-to-face meeting with him for Sunday evening. He said, so I drove from Passaic, I went to Borough Park, and I was hoping for success, even though I wasn't very confident. Mr. Herzler, he said, was an older man in his 90s, and he was more comfortable in Yiddish than English. And when I shook his hand, I couldn't help but notice the blue numbers on his forearm. And then I realized this is going to be an impossible mission. How do you tell a 95-year-old Holocaust survivor to allow a German shepherd to be a guest in his facility? So nevertheless, after making the phone calls to set up the meeting, after getting to Brooklyn from Passaic, I'm sitting there and I said, what do I have to lose? I have to try. And he says, this Mr. Herzler was such an extremely hospitable person. He offered me some cokish cake. My wife would like that and strong, sweet tea. And after schmoozing a little about the synagogue and where they both were, he said, the rabbi said, I started to explain the situation about Bernie and why he needed to have Oakley living with him. And I stressed how Oakley was really all that Bernie had. And Mr. Herzler listened to me very, very patiently. And he responded with a pasuk from the Torah. And he says, Lo yechratz kelev leshono. This is the verse we mentioned from Shemot. This is why the dogs are rewarded, because the dogs did not growl against any of the people of Bnei Israel when they were leaving Egypt. So for a second, the rabbi said, I thought that Mr. Herzl wasn't really focused on what I was saying. You know, he's quoting a pasuk. And so I, I repeated my plea. And he repeated the pasuk. And then he looked at me with a big smile and he said to me, I've been waiting 78 years for you to come talk to me. Of course your friend can bring his dog. In fact, I will personally pay for all of the needs of this dog while the dog is with us. The rabbi says, now I'm totally perplexed. I'm totally confused. And it's written on my face how confused I am. So Mr. Herzler starts to explain. In 1945, towards the end of the war, the Nazis were evacuating the concentration camp I was in. And as I knew and they knew the Russians were days away, they were just evacuating to march us or to kill us. So I decided if I had a chance to survive, I was going to hide in the camp until the Germans left and the Russians came. And so I hid underneath the floorboards where we were sleeping. The Nazis figured we would hide. So they brought out the German shepherds to sniff us out, to sniff out the Jews. And any time the dog smelled a Jew, it began to bark. And as the Nazi and his dog neared my crawl space, I could see the dog coming, and I started to repeat again and again the pasuk, Ulechol b'nei Yisrael lo yechratz kelev leshono. I said it again and again, and the dog came right up to me, and I could smell the dog's breath, and the dog definitely knew I was there. 
but the dog made no sound and just kept moving. It was then I made a promise to Hashem. Just as Hashem paid the dogs back for not barking by Yetziah Mitzvahim, I said to Hashem, I would also pay back a German shepherd for not barking at the time of my own personal Yetziah Mitzvahim. He said, I've waited 78 years, and finally today the day has come. Tell your friend Bernie, tell him his, fr- his dog Oakley will be my honored guest. The rabbi said, I sat there, stunned and speechless. Mr. Hertzler placed another piece of kokush on my plate. And he said with simcha, you thought you came to ask me for a favor. However, the opposite was true. Hashem sent you here to allow me to pay back my 78-year-old debt. Please let us make a l'chaim together to thank Hashem for his kindness. Unbelievable story. When Hashem is there, Hashem is there. He makes everything come work. Things don't always work out in life. We don't understand. But when we do understand, when we do bring the Shekhinah, we always can see some light. Miracles happen. Believe in miracles. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Have a great Shabbat. And have a Chodesh Tov as we approach Nisan.